Hey everybody, this is Todd. Welcome to the show. Uh, listen, I wanted to give you a heads up during this episode. Uh, we had to switch providers <laughs> midstream, mid-interview. We are having some internet difficulties, so you will hear a switch in the audio signal. It does get much better. We appreciate the, uh, the patience and we hope you enjoy this episode of the Guitar Knobs podcast. And away we go. Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, pick guardian. Jared Brandon, a Brandon one pickups. Hey, everybody, it's me, Todd Novak. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs podcast. We're thrilled to death that you are listening to our show as if you were here alongside with us, but you are not. Um, and we've got a great show lined up for you tonight or today or whatever you, whenever you are listening to this. Um, Tony, what do we do on the show? We like, normally, we like to talk to the builders and the shakers and the movers of gear specifically boutique gear mm -hmm. uh, occasionally we do 101 episodes where we learn things and in the case of today we're going to be talking to someone involved in the music industry that's, that's right that's correct someone with a lot of different experience on both sides of a proverbial coin who's on the phone right now mm. uh, this is Joey Callio of uh, Dada and Seven Horse all right, hey. Dada and Seven Horse, two uh, prominent bands out there. Uh, he, Joey, uh, you are a singer-songwriter and uh, all kinds of other stuff. Why don't you just give us your uh, two-cent resume? I mean, right now, yes, I'm. I will always be a singer-songwriter, uh, but I'm really focused in on uh, the band Seven Horse right now, which means I'm. Uh, more guitar playing focused rather than in Dada where I was uh, bass playing focused uh, as far as at least the live show goes um, so I'm having a lot of fun because I gotta tell you it's, it's, it's fun to be a bass player but it, it's much more fun being the guitar player <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah there's at least two more strings <laughs> yeah exactly well and just yeah. just for a taste of um, I I guess you know we Joey called in or you know we started having a conversation um, just about the show uh, he, was, he was a fan of the show um, and we started talking and I started kind of uh, understanding and uncovering a little bit about the, your experience and I, as someone who is um, trying with my music to do that that was important for me to kind of kind of understand but then we started talking about you as a guitar player and I thought your story was really interesting and I thought that other people would really like to hear about it too because it has to do and this is going to be somewhat of a primary focus of what we're talking about is like how do you get from one level to another how do you recognize that you need to get to one level another and what are things that you might do in order to to, to do that and it isn't just about like learning a new song or a new technique so uh and, and then, you know, it, we'll probably dip and dodge into, you know, when I mentioned the other side of the coin, do you mind saying what part of your other professional history was? 
Well, I uh, well before I was signed to my first record deal, I worked at Geffen Records for four and a half years, which basically uh, I never went past being the head of the mailroom, but that was on purpose. I turned down any kind of promotion into the you know upper echelons of the business because that's kind of uh, the kiss of death for a musician really once you're once you've left the mailroom you're no longer magic um you are now just one of the people that wished they were a musician but they're not good enough so they've got to be in the business part of the uh, music business uh, so from there, I went, uh, I spent a, my first deal with IRS Records, and um, I was actually offered a job at IRS Records. I don't know if I told you that before, yeah. um, being a, an A&R man. But um, I, again, I knew not to do that. And at that point, Dada was finally, I mean, you know, I'm a lifelong musician, and any musician who is trying to make it or has made it, they know that process and when you really feel like you finally started to get close you don't want to I mean why would you change at that point you've right. worked your whole life and you're just about to do something so I said no but I kind of passed off the job to a friend of mine and that en ended up working in my favor because he kind of helped fan the flames of the Dada you know uh, movement over at uh, IRS Records so I Dada made uh, three records at IRS, and then uh, IRS went out of business. And the um, one of the main people over at IRS became a, uh, um, I guess he was the head of MCA. <laughs> he first worked in the publishing company of MCA. He ended up being the president of MCA. This guy named Jay Boberg. And um, he signed Dada. So that was our fourth record, first record on MCA. Uh, then that went south. MCA went out of business. Uh, and at that point, I was kind of needing to take a break for a few different reasons. So that record, uh, I think it was a good record. Uh, I just had a... It's the first time I had a really kind of bad experience making a record, which is weird because on paper it was amazing. We recorded at the Village Recorders. It's the legendary room in uh, uh, West L.A., and we had a, a big producer, uh, this guy named um, uh, Danny Korchmar. I mean, he's made gigantic records, and it all seemed like it should have gone well, but it, for me personally, it didn't. And after that tour, I just realized, you know, I, I need to take a break, step back. And a lot of things happened in my life. Um, I just had my second kid and I had, I had a little pile of money in front of me. And I knew if I didn't make a move right then and there, I was either, and, and by a move, I mean move out of L.A. I was thinking maybe, maybe it's time for a change, get out of L.A. for a while. Um, I knew if I didn't make the move right then and there, I would just have different motorcycles in about six months and no more money. Yeah. So um, we, between uh, me and my wife, Christina, who also worked at Geffen Records uh, for a long time, she was much higher up the ladder than I was. Um, she worked in international, um, which is basically every all departments. Um, we kind of put everything together and moved to Seattle. And when I did that, uh, an A&R guy at uh, MCA offered me a gig. So I was a, a kind of basically like a street A&R person up here in Seattle for MCA Records for about 18 months. Well, so, and at that point, that's when we're going to pick up where you started changing stuff a little bit. 
Right. Yeah. So we'll get into that uh, a little bit later in the show. Thank you so much for giving us a very good understanding of like, all right, who are we going to be hearing from here on the show? Um, I'm already, you know, somewhat familiar, but um, it, it's a great story. So I, I think you guys will be, uh, it'll be fun to listen to. Um, and uh, as you can tell, Joey is not short of storytelling capacity. So uh, this will be great. Um, now, what we don't want to do is get a podcast where we have Dr. Z and Joey speaking at the same time <laughs> unless we wanted to go play around a golf uh, <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, no we love both of these guys so we're, we're happy to have them on the show we've got a couple uh, announcements we need to hit real quick guys uh, we need to thank Road for the Roadcaster Pro, this beautiful machine that's uh, capturing the podcast right now, uh, and our Procaster mics, all in different mm-hmm. locations right now. Yummy. Yes. That's right. Um, if you are thinking about starting a podcast or you'd like to up your own game on the Road or on uh, on your podcast, then you can do it on Up Road. that game right yes. now. Uh, we are very grateful for their support. And Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Um, Great minds think alike. Yeah, indeed. That's Ooh. right, old buddy. Uh, let's see here. So we got a little note here from uh, the old Instagrams. We love getting notes and people sharing stuff and getting would-you-rathers and all kinds of cool things. And uh, this was a really a great note I got. It says, uh, this is from Gary Cooper, not the Gary Cooper. Wow. Which only a few people would even recognize who that is. But um, a Gary Cooper. I'm a, <laughs> hey, Nobs, I'm a big fan of the podcast and wanted you guys to know the show is greatly appreciated. I've learned a lot from you guys, and moreover, I got the inspiration and motivation to make my hobby a career. I've been building parts casters for a while, progressively getting more ambitious. I'm in the process of making an LLC and building a site. I wanted to be able to offer unfinished bodies and consultation services for DIY builders. I offer custom compiled kits that can all that can I can assemble and uh, for a pre setup and then break down and ship out to customers and complete. Um, all the way to shipping fully built guitars. Any anyways, any support and guidance is greatly appreciated. And we love when we get notes about people deciding to say, you know what. I'm going to start building something. We've had a, a, a pretty fair number of people actually start building pedals. Like, not like I'm going to build a pedal, but they're like, no, I'm actually going to start building pedals. We've had a handful of guitar builders go, I'm actually going to just start building guitars, not tinker or even, I think, an amp builder or two. But uh, that made me super happy to, to, to hear that message because, um, you know, in some small way, um, our little community is connecting with him and he's connecting back with us. And I just really appreciate it. Really that nice. message. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, cool. Gary also made me happy today by ordering a set of pickups for me. No kidding. A set of, yeah. A set of wide range. Oh, that's awesome. Pickups. Nice. Those are yeah. good wide range pickups. If not Gary Cooper, man, those things are outstanding. Thanks, Gary. So, anyways, yeah, it was really cool. I, I was happy to share a message like that. Um, and, you know, if you have a story like that, man, we would love to hear it. And if you're thinking about doing it, for Pete's sakes, we say this all the time, just do it. The worst thing that happens is you're going to mess up. That's the absolute worst thing that's going to happen. That's so do it. Because 
I mean, every almost every single builder that we have on here, or or, or musician or whatever, is had to start somewhere. It didn't automatically just be well. Maybe John Schneider drink, but <laughs> drink. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, so anyways, thank you for that. We love hearing the messages. Please send them in. We you know we'd love to read them. So there you go, guys. Let's find out what's going on in music world this week. Let's hear from Tony first, and then okay, we're going to hear from Joey. Cool. So so this week. Um, this is actually kind of a kind of a neat thing. Um, I've been I've worked with with uh, with Joe Naylor uh, and and Kenny Haas now who owns uh, uh, Reverend Guitars uh, for the longest time. And in fact, I mean, I've, I I I knew Joe from a lot of guitar shows and things where he, you know, come out and show off the the U.S. models at that time, the legacy models, as I like to call them. And and um, they were blowing out all of their uh, old, I mean, they had like extra guards and things because they had switched over to their, their import line, which is, in, in my opinion, just as good, if not better, than the, than the U.S. models. So, you know, I think they, I, I attracted Joe's and probably Kenny's uh, attention at that time, wondering why I'm buying, you know, like one of each kind of guard. And I, you know, they, I, one of the two contacted me and I said, yeah, I just want to have those on file so that I can uh, offer pick guards. And, um, so uh, that that's one of the first portions of, of the website that I developed. I dedicated to those legacy models, Reverend Guitars US ones. So Kenny and I have been going back and forth via email over the last couple of weeks or so. And he says, look, we, we get all these calls all the time and we send people your way. And w- what would you say if I just sent you a bunch of these guards? You can uh, go ahead and, and just, you know, template them. And and basically, you know, they've got enough other things on their plate that that they don't need to mess with. They're going to uh, just, you know, basically refer people on to me for their newer models. So he's basically, uh, uh, we're gonna we hammer out some of the details and things like that. But what, what's wow. really cool is, you know, I, I've I have other companies like that that I work with, like Rick and Bacher and even Fender and Gibson, and you know they they don't. <laughs> it's funny these big bigger companies don't have time to really focus in on the onesie twosie things like I do. Yeah. Uh, so it's that's easier for them just to say give Tony a call or shoot him an email. He'll take care of you. So. Um, I mean, that's really how I've built my business. And so I'm really excited about that because I've, I'm, I've been a big Reverend guitar fan since, you know, like I said, since the you know 80s or 90s, I guess, is when they first started. And uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's, you know, it, it, it makes me feel good about what I'm doing when I have companies like that offering referrals. So there you go. That's, what, that's my week. Awesome. <laughs> Congratulations. That's the, exciting, that's the exciting part of this week. Okay, Joey, what's going on in your music world, Dan? Uh, I just had a fantasy week, basically, uh, putting together my newest pedal board. It is, I, I'm kind of sad it's over. I want to I do it again. Uh, basically, I had, I don't know, uh, just a, I had a loose, loosey-goosey pedal board. It was okay, um, 
it was fine for me, but it had some wires kind of hanging out and whatnot. Uh, and at the last show we played, Seven Horse played, uh, was at the Troubadour, which I just heard might be going out of business. Um, really? I had, uh, yeah. Oh, man. So they got to go, they have a GoFundMe page, let's put it that way. Um, but um, I had a disastrous night uh, because I think some wires got touched. Somebody must have, like, I, I, I saw my pedal board in distress right before the show and kind of panicked and thought everything was okay for the first three songs it was, and then it went down. So after that show, I just realized, you know what, Joey, uh, you need to really, it's time to put together the pedal board. And I've always wanted one of those Schmidt Array pedal boards. Um, so I called up, I called them up, or I, I guess I didn't call them. I sent an email and just said, hey, this is who I am. I tried to get an artist deal, and the guy get, cut me a break. It was great. This guy named Martin over there is a really good guy. And I got a 450 is the size. Not too big, not too small. And, man, that thing, it's just so beautiful i mean it's just one of those things where if you're into anything guitars cars motorcycles you just know the difference between something that's like made pretty well and made unbelievably well and that's what this was it's like a rolls royce um so uh i've been just putting that together and it was it was super 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 fun um i actually used uh Three Monkey Solderless uh, Connectors, which I heard of on your show. Hey, right on. Those things are great, man. <laughs> yeah. Todd, what was that? What, what really, kind of connections were those? Really good dudes over there. <laughs> the Three Monkey Solderless. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, those those uh, Schmidt arrays are pretty nice boards. Uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. It's like a Bentley with no wheels. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so that was really fun. What color did you get? Did you get a custom color or wood or what? I, it's, the bottom is black and the top is, is aluminum. Just, you know, nothing. It's going to get beat up anyway. So, yeah. um, I, And, you know, he actually said, look, I'll give you a deal, but you can't get a custom color. So it's like, I didn't really want one anyways. I just, you know, I just wanted the basic design. And, man, it is just. It is so beautiful. I yeah. really like it. I hate to get so freaky about just a pedal board, but man, it is really nice. That's going to be a tough one to put the first sticker on. I have a, I have a, <laughs> I have a, I have a, a, a Zoso sticker. I swear to God. Um, and I just ordered a uh, Rolling Stones sticker. So those are going to be my first two stickers on there. Oh man. Okay. Well, we'll send you some for sure. And you can put one of those or, or you know, just say yes, right? You now. got it. You don't have to. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. That's very fun. Very fun indeed. Uh, yeah. and, and if you if folks aren't uh, familiar with uh, the Schmidt array, you can just go to Schmidt Array. So it's not Schmidt like, uh, I guess maybe, uh, well, maybe it is. Yeah, whatever. There's a D in there. S-C-H-M-I-D-T Array. A-R-R-A-Y dot com. And you will, your eyeballs will fall out of your head. Very cool. Uh, J-Rod, what's going on, buddy? As far as Guitar Week, I've just been practicing and trying to get my chops back from when I was much younger because uh, I went, you know, frankly, I went to 
kind of a stretch of not playing every day and really trying to play difficult things. Um, I slowly just kind of got old, I guess, but, um, I was just, you know, just trying to, trying to get back in the swing. And, and like I said, I'm, um, kind of creating music with my friend through the garage band thing. And, uh, I decided to, to add in a bunch of violin parts on a song my buddy did. And I had like four different tracks of violins and it sounded so heavenly and full to me and i did it on the first first and i did it uh after the uh or the first chorus and then i did it for the for the last chorus and my and i sent it to my buddy i was so excited so thrilled to have him listen to all these little violin parts in fact i don't even think he knew i that i knew how to play violin and then he which you, know, you he do you're respond. actually very good at it thank you i'm okay he he uh <laughs> He takes his sweet time getting back to me, and I was like, oh, man, I wanted him to... You know how you feel when you're excited about something, you want someone to respond after they hear it. Yeah. But he took his time, and he's like, well, uh, you know, it's all right, and I'm the violins sound great at the end of the song, and I kind of felt a little deflated, and then uh, and I'm like, yeah, okay, and he kind of remixed the song and sent it back to me. It sounded so much better so much better the way he mixed it mm. and uh i actually filled in a guitar solo in the first after the first chorus so um i forgot you know the patience of recording and how you how you kind of got to take your time and kind of sleep on things you know and give it a second listen um after a while let things process so uh that's kind of kind of experience i had this past week you know kind of very cool yeah so i i feel really good about it and it uh my buddy's really good at writing stuff so nice it's a privilege to work with him excellent all right uh well uh for myself how about you todd you bastard (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i was waiting and i was like well i'm not gonna wait anymore <laughs> you clever, tell us about your special you guitar con clever man uh hey. so i have the by this time you will have heard of me talk about the small sound big sound uh pedal that uh i kind of i don't know that i collaborate is collaborate is a pretty strong word we he, he just he just took a whim and made something out of it uh so Brian over at Small Sound, Big Sound, put together a pedal, uh, and it is the Mini, and also called, a.k.a. the uh, Levi Lovin'. <laughs> and that pedal is amazing. It sounds so good. I can't even stand it. It's an overdrive with basically a bias on it, so you can, um, you can essentially, almost like on a fuzz pedal, like it's the bias of a fuzz, except it's on an overdrive. So it, it's got this just fantastic sound. Um, and right out of the box, it's like you plug it in. You're like, holy flipping guitar arena. Um, but I said, well, I can't just leave it like that. So I'm. I wanted. I'm, I was looking for a little, um, a little extra something, and I started plugging things into it. And like, well, maybe it sounds good into this, and I'll plug this into that. 
and something that I wasn't expecting to plug into after the overdrive, um, unless I'm just a doofus and don't understand things, which is entirely possible. But I grabbed... Was it a Mutron? <laughs> uh, no. Great pedal they make there, but no, no. Um, it was the uh, the Greer Moonshot, which is essentially oh, his yeah. version of a, of a trouble booster in a sidecar. Nice. Man, it's just that, like, extra... Mwah, and I'm... I actually, I went to bed and my ears were ringing last night, like hours after, because I was just loving it. I just cranked it. Did you have your blood pressure checked? I I know, right? Uh, (laughs) I started slurring my speech and all that stuff. Um, No, it was was great fun. Uh, And I told everybody, I said, I'm going to make some noise. And they slammed the door to the basement and I had my way with that. Those two pedals My on the guitar. My wife does the same thing. It's never just a nice close. It's a slam. <laughs> wow. You know? Yeah. It's always a dang slam. Yeah. So uh, anyways, that, that was great fun. So if you own nice. a small sound, big sound, mini, or original F-U-C-K uh, overdrive, which is essentially what the mini is, just in a smaller box, uh, maybe try that. If you got a treble booster or a range master or something laying around, like pull it, put it in after that and see what happens kind of cool and uh and for the uh you know i guess for what it's worth i had it i had it leaning on this on the mid side of things not the treble side of things and it made it really sweet sounding so nice. that's that and this is this one two one two three four on the floor joey calio give us your four on the floor all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to tell you what I have, but what I, I in, in replacement of that, my fantasy pedal, because we all are sitting around with nothing to do, locked into our, our houses right now. Uh, so I think about pedals that I can't afford. So right now, first pedal, my normal pedal would be the exotic EP booster because it just makes everything sound better. It's easy. It's small. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not very expensive, actually. That's a, no, just a eighty-nine bucks. Super functional every day of the week. Super functional pedal, but that's in the real world. In the new fantasy world, that is gone and is now replaced with a Klon Gold Horsey Open Tail. <laughs> uh, uh, overdrive uh, okay. because I want one, <laughs> and that, so that's going to be my first pedal in the chain. Uh, you know, it's a clean boost. I, 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 I guess I'm the kind of guy that likes to uh, stack things yeah. uh, live. Me too. And um, you know, it's it's totally different live pedals. Are I have a I have a pile of pedals that are for the studio, and then a pile of pedals that are for live. And for live, it's for me, it works best to have a couple that I can stack and then maybe one that has a certain flavor that you just shoot out to blow everybody's mind. But anyway, so the first pedal is the clean boost. It's, uh, you know, I, I play a lot of slide on a Gretsch and I, I need that clean boost just, just out of the gate to get going. And I would love to look down at my feet and to see a gold clon centaur open horsey tail staring back at me i would just be i would love it all right so that's my first pedal before you go on to your second i just i want to i gotta ask um because tony and i have talked about this uh, a little bit before but uh, like my ep booster 
um, I actually have after all of my drives. Right. I heard uh, you talking about that. And uh, and I and I I don't I don't turn the knob level at all. It's just on. On is like amazing. I've never I never turn it. And I was just on it. What like you? Where do you have the the dial set? Yeah, yeah. It's just it's it's all the way down. I don't even have it up at all. Oh, you know, got it. Um, well, I, I guess that's not true. Like just a touch, but like nine o'clock. A, no, no, that's not a dirty, even filthy like, lie, Todd. Like like <laughs> seven, like at seven o'clock, and it starts at okay. It starts at six thirty six. But I'm just curious, like, do you actually, you know, uh, have the knob? Where do you typically have the knob? Because that's kind of a set and forget it kind of thing. It, it, it is, um, but I do move it around, and I'll tell you why. Uh, it sounds great at noon, for starters, you know, plus minus noon to start the show. Um, but uh, I do play... Um, I play kind of a wide variety of guitars, Todd. Um, and uh, one of the things I do play are uh, national guitars. Um, so I love that all the way, just like you're talking about, all the way to the uh, you know, counterclockwise. Mm-hmm. So for if I'm playing a national, that that's perfect. But if I'm you know trying to get a little, just a little love, then I'm going I'm going at least midway. And if I'm reaching for the moon, I might just shoot it, you know, all the way over to uh, whatever that is. Yeah. Full blown. Um, but yeah, it, you know, that thing is pretty versatile, actually. It really is. It sounds amazing. And then yeah. for those who have who've never even cracked the uh, case on those, uh, there's uh, there's dip switches on the inside, folks. If you don't know that, yep. you might want to mess around with it because it's pretty fun. Okay. So anyways, that's not the Klon Centaur. Uh, horsey, no. uh, horsey open tail. So uh, let's go to number two. Number two, uh, I would, if I'm only going to have four, uh, in real world, I'd probably use my Thorpey uh, FX uh, Heavy Water, which is a great pedal, by the way. Um, it's a smaller version of the Dane. The Dane is a kind of a bigger footprint. This is more of a, th- this thing would hurt somebody if you threw it, by the way. It's just this tank of a pedal. But that's the real world. In my fantasy world, I'm going to go for number two, would be a Shins Music Dumbeloid Boost Special. That's Shins, S-H-I-N, apostrophe S. They're a Japanese company, and their stuff is, I do have a Shins pedal, but not that Dumbeloid pedal. It's a, it's a pricey little unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, first off, it looks cool as hell. Um, so again, it's looking back at me, and I'm looking down at that right next to the Klon Centaur, Centaur going, how could this be? How could my life be so prosperous and fantastic on <laughs> one simple pedal board? Anyways, uh, I, it's, uh, that's kind of where my, if I'm just going to have four pedals, I need that pedal to be able to get me all the way, you know, face melting, you know, um, if I need to. Oh, all right. Number three, Joey, go for it. All right. All right. Normally, three is the uh, beginning of the delay slot. Uh, so normally, I would use my Strymon El Capistan, great pedal. Mm. But uh, since we're going crazy, and uh, that's what this is all about—going crazy—I'm going for a full tone tube tape echo because I've always wanted one. Oh. But they're very expensive. But again, what a lovely piece of gear! 
it's just like an old uh, Echoplex. Uh, just they're so sweet. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah, Full Tone makes solid stuff. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't and, know if I've uh, actually seen one of those in person. I see guys using yeah. it just for slap. Huh, interesting. I'll have to keep my eyeballs out for that. Yeah, it's it's sweet. So what what is it about it that's so sweet? It's just, first off, it's a real you know it's a real tape echo machine it's got it's it's tube driven it's it's basically like an old echoplex the you know i guess echoplex there is a uh solid state version and the and the non-solid state version this would be the non-solid state version i think that's correct um that is correct awesome <laughs> <laughs> um but uh Pick any prize from the back wall <laughs> <laughs> um i will say uh, I'm going to say it again. They are so good looking. They're just a gorgeous piece of machinery. I mean, they're white and they've got these handles and they're just, they look, they look, even look better than an old uh, Echoplex, but uh, it's just a solid piece of, 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 of gear and it's all warm tube goodness. But uh, I think they're like 1600 bucks. So it's like, no. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah. Holy moly. Um, okay. Number four. Number four. Number four in the real world would be a Strymon Flint, because that's where I'm going to have my uh, my reverb and my uh, my tremolo. Um, that's a great pedal, by the way. Uh, I really shouldn't kick it off, but but since this is the <laughs> I can I can today. Uh, I'm I'm going to try out one of these Eventide H9 Maxes. Uh, I've never even touched one of those, but uh, they look they look cool. They look like that would be a good pedal to have if you're only going to have four. Why not have one pedal that can do a bunch of different stuff? So uh, I'd go for that to to get some wobble and some reverb. Nice. Okay. Perfect. Uh, and if you, you checked out, like what, what does that offer you that you might not be able to get with the, with the Flint? Well, the Flint, it's pretty much, it's, I mean, it's, it's, Flint's pretty good. It has a, it has a good, uh, a tremolo and a good, uh, reverb, but I, I'm pretty sure, uh, the, the Eventide has some other options. Like if say, like I never really use this, but, uh, I think it has like flange and phase and stuff like that. And just different you know, combinations. Um, I'm guessing I could be wrong. Um, but, uh, I just thought that would be a good idea. If I'm only going to have four pedals, one should be able to do uh, a bunch of stuff. So yeah, I'd stick, sure. that on, I'd stick that on the end and, and, uh, have a fun time. Nice. Well, yeah, the, the old, uh, Strymon Flint's made it, uh, quite a few times on the four on the floor. So that's a, that's a nice alternative. I like that. Why not? Right right? Why not? Cool. All right. That is a good four on the floor. Thank you so much for providing that for us. Uh, before we go into the interview portion of our daydream here, um, we want to give a big fat thank you to uh, John Fiddle uh, at Relay Recording. John is an, a, a, he's a producer. He's a recording engineer, a mixer, a masterer of audio, and he loves guitar. So he's going to pay real good attention to your tone. If you're getting ready to record, if you are thinking about uh, having somebody else take a, a gander at your max, uh, your mix to master all those things, he's a, a very good resource to do that. JohnFintel.com, J-O-N. 
F-I-N-T-E-L.com and Relay Recording uh, here in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, and uh, I think you forgot something. Who did I forget? I think you forgot. I think you forgot to say that he's an all-around nice guy. He is an all-around <laughs> nice guy, doggone it. He's taking good care of us, uh, let, letting us uh, hang, hang, hang our hat at the old recording studio. Um, I mean, not right now during all this, but um, anyways. So uh, check him out. Let's get on to our interview. We've got Joey Callio from Seven Horse and Dada fame and, uh, and, and an extensive career in the music industry on, on both sides of the, the fence as a, as a musician and in the industry. So uh, as mentioned in the setup for this whole uh, beautiful debacle, we were talking about how he got started in music and basically uh, was hipping, hopping on both sides of the, the, uh, the fence with the record studios and stuff and uh, decided to had to get away. As I also mentioned, we had a phone call in which we were just talking, just shooting the breeze and stuff, and he started telling me about this really interesting story, and I said, I think our listeners could really relate to this, so that's what we're going to kind of talk about right now. Um, it's a little bit of a departure from like, hey, how'd you start building pedals, but it's equally important. <laughs> so with that, Joey, I know you can spin a tail, so take it away. All right. I'll, I'll try not to go too crazy, but uh, basically I, I reached a point where I needed a break from uh, the band. Uh, um, and uh, I, I, I just in life in general, I wanted to, I was, I'd lived in LA for a while. I moved there from the Bay area when I was a kid and uh, it was just, I'd kind of a lot of things all at once. I kind of had it. it was too hot, you know, I'm, I don't want to start complaining, but, uh, I had to get out. I had to take a break. Um, so I, I kind of felt like too. I had to do it. I kind of felt like what, one of the things I needed to do at that point in my career after making four records with Dada, um, was to do something on my own musically. So I wanted to do a solo record. Um, and, uh, I was fortunate enough to have some circumstances come my way. And, uh, I ended up making uh, a record that I really, I, 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 I'm just going to be, to be honest, even with myself, I, I, I luxuriated in that uh, process, possibly too much. I probably could have got a lot more done if I would have put some time limits on myself, but, um, I didn't. I learned a lot. It was fun process. Uh, but when it was all over, I kind of felt like, Hmm, if I'm going to do anything more on, on, you know, as a solo artist, I've got to up my game, uh, musically. Cause I, I was kind of, I, I never really took guitar lessons when I was younger. I took, you know, I was more of a bass player first guitar player second. And then, uh, as I became more involved in songwriting, you know, I, I could play guitar, I could strum, I knew some chords, uh, but um, in the band Dada, uh, there's just a smoking hot guitar player. Uh, Mike Gurley is an incredible guitar player, so I, I just needed to be good enough to write songs with the guy, and, and I was, so that was fine. But after I making this first solo record, it was like, okay, um, I've played every chord I know. I mean, I can kind of rearrange them and do some cool stuff, but... Uh, I need to find another place to go um, musically, you know? Um, so I kind of thought, what, what, what would be, you know, something that would take me to the next level? 
And uh, I, I instantly, the first thing came to my mind is I really wanted to learn how to uh, finger pick, you know, finger style guitar playing. And um, so it's like, how do you do that? And this was right before the internet was, you know, blowing up. Uh, it was there, but it was not like it is now. It wasn't YouTube mania, um, which makes it a lot easier <laughs> to learn stuff. Um, so at this point, I started kind of finding places to buy DVDs, uh, right? And um, I landed on this company called, um, what were they called? Home, homespun.com, I believe. Um, and I, I just started buying different uh, finger style CDs. And the, the, I, I, I got this one by a guy named Happy Trom and another one by this guy, Pete uh, Hutlinger or Hutlinger. I'm not sure how you pronounce that, but they were both kind of, you know, it was all real specific about how to, you know, pick out the notes and the chords and just all of a sudden it, it also, I kind of wanted to start leaning towards uh, country blues style playing, you know? Um, and uh, that was those, those were, I, I, I think I got a lot of, CD, a lot of DVDs um, at the time. I was just going nuts, but those two kind of stuck. So that was my first kind of jump. You know, I made the first leap. It's like, oh, I can do this. Um, and after about uh, six months of that, that was cool. Um, but I, then the next thing, I re really, really wanted to learn how to play slide guitar because I was kind of going through a heavy uh, blues thing um, in my songwriting kind of space. Uh, one of the records I was really listening to heavily was Led Zeppelin three. And just that whole way Jimmy Page was playing guitar on that, uh, was kind of where I was at. So, um, I had to, you know, I went back to my same place and, uh, I bought a couple of different slide DVDs, actually probably more than a couple. Uh, but there was one by a guy named Bob Brosman, uh, that, blew my mind <laughs> that just kind of changed everything and uh it's like a three dvd set and it was just that that got me going it took forever though uh to really kind of get one note to sound good but uh once i did i was much happier um and so that was kind of those two things combined got me to a place where i really did start I was able to start writing in this kind of country blues slash, you know, just nasty blues style. Would you call yourself an inherently blues player before that? Not really. Uh, I'm, I mean, you know, Dada's kind of a power pop, you know, rock band. Uh, and uh, when, uh, right before Seven Horse started, me and Phil Levitt, who is the uh, drummer in Dada, um, so it was kind of this interesting scenario, uh, you know, Dada is a band. It's got two lead singers. I'm one of the two. It's got two main songwriters. I'm one of those two. And then Phil was in the back. Phil is this fantastic drummer. I mean, he's, he's mind blowing. He's an excellent drummer. Um, and, um, so you're, you guys are like, yes, then no. <laughs> <laughs> who wears the cape? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Dada fans for some reason, 
Love, yes, we get really? Dada gets a lot. Yeah, Dada it gets a. We get a lot of yes fans and a lot of Rush fans. Which to me, it's like, oh, okay, you like Dada because there's three guys. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a lot of lot of uh, crosstalk in those uh, no in those fandoms. That was totally random pluck, by yeah. the way. Oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, now we sounded nothing like yes though. But uh, I, I when I was a kid, I loved yes. Um, Anyways, um, so basically what, what, what had happened was uh, the band Dada kind of um, slowed down. We, we, we got back together after a little hiatus, right? Um, I had made two solo records, and then I, I just started making a third one after I learned how to play slide and um, all the finger-picking stuff, and I played it for Phil. And me and him had talked about maybe doing a side project at some point, and he listened to it and he goes, well, if we could do a record like that, that sounds more like that, that would be great. And that third record was more kind of a swampy blues kind of thing. So I just started, you know, again, ripping off, you know, as much off of uh, Led Zeppelin three as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. And, um, it kind of went in that direction. You know, it was, it was a good place for us to start. So seven horse was basically kind of started in, in the blues. We wanted to be really simple where, cause Dada was very, you know, it, it, it kind of got too complex, you know, at some points, mm -hmm. um, which is cool. You know, it's a cool, cool way to go. We wanted to do whatever Dada did. We needed to do the opposite because we, we both kind of needed a break and uh so that's you know the blues man we we started just listening to real like old stuff and uh it was very influential and then uh, we started throwing riffs around and and that's how uh, the the uh the, the seven horse thing started and the first song we recorded was a song called meth lab zoso sticker which got in the movie wolf of wall street and that was sort of that started the whole thing rolling now okay so from somebody who doesn't play like hardcore old style blues and someone right. who doesn't finger pick and doesn't do slide to then all of a sudden go, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a record based on old blues, finger picking and slide. I mean, aside from the sort of like, wait, what kind of <laughs> dope kind of thing there? I, I imagine that has to be, um, a very difficult thing to go from, Hey, I've made several records from playing music. I know how to play guitar. I know how to play bass. I know the way that I do that. I feel very comfortable doing that. I can write songs around that. But if it, it how do you get over that mental hump of not being able to do something well yet at the stage that you're at, you know, cause when you first start doing that, I can't imagine that went especially well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's not easy. It's not easy. It really isn't. Um, I, I, I just had this, you know, look, this goes back to the very beginning for me. Uh, I, I, this all started when I was five years old, basically. Uh, the, my first love was just music. There was music all around my house. Uh, my, one of my babysitters was dating a drummer sat behind that drum set and that was it. I needed to have a drum set, started pounding on everything. So I got a drum set when I was like seven. I think they took it away by the time I was eight because they got tired of hearing it. But that, that was it. You know, once that, once you kind of get that bug, you know, uh, and you are that in, involved in it, it just, it, 
it stays with you. At least for me, it did. And um, all through my teenage years, I was just a massive music fan. I mean, I went to concerts, concerts. I was super lucky to have older people around me that would take me to concerts. I grew up in the Bay Area. And it was pretty cheap to get in back then. And uh, I would just see every band that came through. Uh, I, I had a, you know, I, I, I was pretty eclectic in, in the kind of music I got into. Like we were, were you referencing Yes. I mean, uh, Yes, Genesis, uh, uh, you know, all the prog rock, heavy prog rock, but all the way from there to heavy, you know, Zeppelin, you know, uh, and of course, Beatles and Stones and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, all those kinds of bands, just the, what people now call classic rock. I mean, just all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, it just, I think it was, it's just passion, right? And so once you have that passion, it you can, you know, yeah, okay, so you have to figure out what you're going to do as a musician um, when you get a little older. It's like, well, how do, let's start a band and what are we going to do? What are we going to sound like? And say that band kind of gets going in a direction, well, then uh, now you're funneling, you know, your kind of creative uh, uh, input into this one style, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't mean you don't like all those other styles, though. And so I think what happened was, is it just kind of, um, you know, the other styles kind of came back and I, uh, the passion came back and it was like, I've got to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was like that, you know, uh, 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 music for me, it's like, it's very it's a very serious thing. And, uh, I, it's funny. I was at a party once and, uh, I, I had been working at Geffen records and, and, uh, it was right at the beginning of Dada. And, um, I kind of was into the, it was, you know, it was the nineties. I was kind of hip to all the scene and uh, there was a station in LA called K rock. And, you know, that oh, yeah. would seem to be the coolest thing in the world, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and one day, uh, a guy named Stan Ridgway, I don't know if you know who he is. He was in a band uh, called yeah. Walla Booty. You know Stan Ridgway? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Mexican radio. He is a great guy. Um, we were at a, Yeah, I, I was at a party. And I ended up being managed by the same uh, manager uh, at one point. And so uh, we played some gigs together. And then also, I worked at Geffen Records when his solo record came out. So we talked then. But at this party... I, I, I don't know. I think someone was playing whole the band whole or something like that. And, and he's all, you like this? And I'm all, yeah, I think it's pretty good. So really? Okay, cool. It's like, uh, you know, I just, would, I, I don't know. It's, it doesn't seem like anything I'd take to my grave. He says to me and I'm all like, huh, I guess that it just kind of got my attention. It's like, well, what do you mean? He's all, I'm going to, you know, I, I'm going to be taking hell and wolf to my grave, not whole. Huh. And it just, I never forgot that moment. <laughs> It was so pure. It was so like Helen Wolf. You know, I, I need, it's like, I knew who Helen Wolf was. I, I probably at one point had a, a, a greatest hits of blues or something like that. But I think that kind of kicked me in the butt to kind of get more into roots music. And uh, that started that. And, and I kind of get what he's saying. And that's not a, a shot at whole or anything like that. I love a lot of different kinds of music. Um, but uh, I kind of that that whole attitude is what Seven Horse became. It's like let's kind of get back to that. Like, what are you going to take to your grave? Kind of moment. Hmm. And you know, it's it, the blues is there for me. You know, big time uh, classic blues. But so is Led Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's kind of a combo of those things. 
I mean, there is a whole world of secrets in the way that you that you get those sounds and you get things that are like, oh, how? What's that? How? how I, the, these intangible kind of things that you can hear in the in the greats that do that kind of thing, right? When you started going down this path as a, as a as opposed to like playing, you know, power chords or, you know, just regular fiddly bits. What were some of the things that you encountered as a guitar player that you said, oh, this is pushing me to the next level or, oh, this is, if I can figure this out, then I'll have that sound that Jimmy has when he does this particular spot in this particular song or something like that. You know what I mean? It, it actually is just like what you just said. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> what happens is what happens is, you know, for me, okay, I'm a guitar player, but I wasn't like a great guitar player and I'm not a great guitar player. Now I'm an okay guitar player, but I'm a better guitar player than I was. I was in a band with a guy who was just a ridiculous guitar player. I mean, he's got gears that most people don't have. They can't go to. He's just that guy. Right. Um, but, um, the, uh, the, you know, once I started learning how to play, you know, uh, all of a sudden you get that double stop that sounds like a certain song that you, a certain sound you hear on all these great songs. And it's like, oh my God, it's just that, yeah. you know, it's just those two notes gives you that sound. I love that sound. And then you just start rolling them, rolling them together. You know, you start there and, you know, when I started learning how, you know, to play, uh, you know, a lot of drone notes, you know, in, in the thing with seven horse, we started, one of the things we did, we, we, it was just us two. So we didn't have a bass player or any, any other backup. And we kind of started doing that live at first. So uh, for me to fill up the space, uh, it, which was a, actually, that was kind of like light yourself on fire and go, you know, it was mm -hmm. one of those things because uh, I learned a lot really fast, but one of the greatest technique things for me that I learned to do was drone a lot. So a lot of open tunings really helps. Um, that's, I play slide and open tunings, by the way. Um, not one of these guys that can do it and just standard tuning uh, very well, at least. Um, and you know, it, that kind of stuff really helps, but it, it is like a building thing. You learn one thing and then another thing happens. And then, you know, then all of a sudden you're buying a million, you've got a stack of DVDs. That's how it was for me. And now I'm just all over, you know, YouTube, just stealing stuff from people. But I've kind of always had a good ear. You know, even when I was a kid, I, was, I, I would pick stuff up off of, you know, I could play, uh, I'd learn bass lines right off the record kind of deal. And um, so it's just all that kind of, all those years of that kind of stuff was in my back pocket, you know, when I started going after this stuff. Um, the drone stuff I, I, is interesting. Uh, that was something that I think I, I probably locked into really early on, not from a blues or a slide thing. It's just, I loved the way Billy Duffy from the cult played guitar. Like I, yep. lo I learned how to play guitar thanks to Billy Duffy. And, and yeah. um, great. And so that was, you just said something important, which to me, which, which struck, which is filling the, filling the room, because if you're playing certain parts on a guitar, sometimes it just sounds alone to me, you know? 
And as soon as I started listening to him and then playing it myself, I was like, I love this because it feels like it feels like there's more of me in here, you know, um, <laughs> which is, which is great. Well, not. <laughs> Does anybody have a problem with this? Yeah. Um, so if somebody is, uh, to, okay, give me two things here. I want to know, like, if somebody is approaching you saying, Hey, I, I'm trying to figure out, like, I'm kind of stuck. What advice might you give them? To get un- to get unstuck, uh, first like first couple steps to get unstuck, and then I'll hit you with the second one after that. Right. That I mean that's that's a good question, it, it, and it, it really you have to you have to let go. Okay. I mean, it, it, this kind of I'm going to kind of switch it up a little bit because I think this is relevant to that. I talk to a lot of people about songwriting, um, which is something I you know. I realized it, at one point, right before Dada, it was like, why, why am I not getting signed? Why are all my friends who are the same age, they're getting signed? I've been in LA for a few years now. Uh, we, the bands, are, they all sound good. They all look good. We all have cool, uh, you know, looking haircuts. Why aren't we getting signed? And it, it came down to one specific thing, and that was songwriting. So I, I, I stopped trying to just get a band together, and I started really focusing on songwriting um that put me in in a place where i the more i did it the better i got which is just like anything else it it really is you know you do have to practice you do have to kind of assert yourself and push yourself a little bit but what happens is a, a great thing starts happening you start opening you start becoming more open and start and start letting things come to you instead of you, you know, getting all frustrated and feeling like you want, you know, you're trying to get to it. You know, you don't need to get to it. You can let it come to you. And the more you relax and just, you know, kind of free your mind a little bit and not get to uh, don't don't paint yourself in a box. You know, it's 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 really important, I think, to kind of just look around, you know, and maybe try something different. And if it doesn't work out fine, but don't don't make it such a big deal. But, yeah, it, it's a, it's a lot about um, uh kind of letting go of, 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 uh, kind of the math of it all, you know, mm-hmm. and just let it kind of let some things open up and let some things kind of come to you. And I think that's, it's, it's, that's a big songwriting approach for sure. But I think on a guitar playing level, you know, if you just kind of relax, you know what the other thing is too, I kind of feel like if you, it, it, the obvious thing is, go take a lesson or go to YouTube and, 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 and get a lesson or, or go to one of these, you know, places you can sign up like true fire or whatever and, and start taking lessons, you know, but don't just because the first or the second or the third lesson didn't really, you know, do it for you go for the fourth, fifth and sixth, because, you know, once you find that one lesson, you know, that shows you that one thing you, you don't need to learn everything off the lesson. You know, it could just be one or two things that like of switch goes off. It's like, Oh my God, I've always wanted to know how that happens. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that gets you to the next level right there. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. No, that, that, that's, that, that's a great, that's a great way yeah. to start that. 
Okay, so uh, let's see here. Second part, part two, part two is now that, you know, you mentioned uh, finger picking and double stopping and, and all that kind of stuff. And that is something that I'm not especially good at. <laughs> uh, but when I hear it, there are certain aspects of like, oh man, it'd be really cool to be able to do that. I would like to do that. I'd like to expand my abilities and my repertoire, even though that isn't something that I would necessarily go on stage and play. I think being more well, well-rounded and well-versed is helpful. When you started to do this coming from like, you know, power chords and all that stuff, what were some of the things that, that you were doing or you found in, um, in inspiration or from instruction that made me that, that you were like, Oh, that's how you do that thing. Was there any like aha moments that you found? <laughs> There's basically every hour there was an aha moment. Um, it, it, it's, it really comes down to the, you need to put yourself on a, on a path to, to kind of let go of, of all your worries let go of, you know, if you don't think you can do something or you're not good enough or, or, or you just think it's all too much and start with one thing at a time. Like, you know, for me, it was like, okay, I wanted to learn finger picking and, um, and then I wanted to learn how to play slide. But, um, when I started watching these videos at first, they seem very like, Oh my God, you see the intro. It's like, Oh, this is going to take forever. But, um, once you get, kind of one thing that changes everything. I mean, literally one thing, you, you know, just whatever that is, uh, it's a certain sound that you've heard before, or you saw the guy on the DVD play a riff that you've always wanted to do. Even, I mean, it, it's in the, take it down to the most basic and simplest thing. It doesn't have to be hard. You just learn that thing and keep going. It's, it's really like that. It's, it's about, letting go. And this, uh, I talked to a lot of people about songwriting and, uh, when I made a big move in my life when I was younger, right before Dada started, there was this situation where I'm in LA, people are getting signed. They're all, you know, we, we're all hanging out together, but all my friends are getting signed. And then I, my band's not getting signed. What's going on. And it, I had to just, the honest truth I had to face it was, the songs aren't good enough. I need to get, I need to become a better songwriter. So instead of just starting a band and learning cover songs or learning songs that, you know, whatever one song that we all wrote together that day, I decided to just me and uh, my partner at the time, Mike Gurley, we decided to just spend time learning how to write. And we did that for a long time. And the more it just like guitar playing, the more you do it, the more you can kind of like you, you get some freedom going. Right. And then the more, the more freedom you get, the more you can let go, you get yourself out of this box. And you were talking about getting stuck. I think a lot of in songwriting, it's the same thing. A lot of people get stuck. And a lot of it is instead of trying so hard to get to a place you're trying to get to place you just have to let go and the, it's going to come to you it will come to you if you keep working at it and uh, allow yourself to you know make some mistakes you know it just it, 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 it none of that really matters you just have to put your passion 
and you know right in your heart and just keep moving forward and you know you learn how to do that one i mean i swear to god when i learned how to just do a, a real simple double stop blues sound that you hear every day on everybody's record every guitar player makes that move i mean that day i i figured that out it was like oh my god that that that's it and you just you just start adding them you know it's like you just add it to your box I remember hearing a, a, an interview. Actually, I think I was watching an interview, if I want to be very correct. I was watching an interview uh, with uh, Josh Ami of um, uh, Queens of the Stone Age, one of my favorites. And he was talking about, like, he's, they've got a specific sound, and it's hard to put your finger on what that sound is. And he said he shared one tiny little thing, and I was like, dang, man. You, you, the colonel just showed his his... The recipe of spices right there and what it was to that point it was it was to me that was an aha thing and it made me it made me think about my own playing and well what what if not what if i do what he's doing but how do i think about things differently and he says almost everybody when they bend a note they take it from the 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 fretted position and they bend it up into a high so like uh and he goes, he goes, I like to take it like this. And he starts with it bent up. He drops it down. And he's like, oh. And I was like, that's the sound of Queens of Stone Age. Oh, my God. And it was just that simple thing. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, how, how does not everybody do this? So anyway, that was a real kind of magic thing. So like, I like the idea of like paying attention to to songs and sounds that you're hearing and then um, digging into like, well, what is that thing? You know, that I think that's something you were alluding to of like trying to figure out that, like I can hear that. I don't know how to do it. Um, And just being tenacious and finding it. I mean, nowadays you just go on the internet and watch, watch the guy do it. Yeah. You know, watch, watch the guy actually do it. And you can kind of, you know, between that and then, you know, maybe you can get a lesson on, I'm sure you can't, I mean, there's a million people on YouTube showing you how to play guitar, not always playing it right, Yeah. by the way, that's a whole nother story, but if you, you know, you'll figure it out. Even, you know, even those guys might show you one thing, right. Even if they show you two things wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really about, um, not getting frustrated and not getting locked into any kind of rules or don't listen to anything that anybody ever told you about, you know, how to do th- or what you can and can't do. I mean, a guy, I remember when I was really young, uh, uh, a kid told me that my hands were not the right size to play guitar. Why are you doing that? And it's like, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, I mean, By you know, it's all physics, these- Jared shouldn't be able to play the guitar. <laughs> I mean, it's huge you've got huge hands but i i think it's important to let go and let things come to you you know just allow allow yourself the possibility you know just keep keep working and things will come to you you will get better but you do have to kind of put in the time you know don't just keep doing that same scale over and over and over stop doing the scale you know yeah go and get go and get a lesson you know, and try a couple different lessons because it might be the eighth or ninth one that really hits you over the head. It's like, wow, okay, that's yeah. it. 
or intentionally intentionally try to this is going to sound stupid i hate the fact that i'm even saying this intentionally try to fail and i don't mean intentionally try to play bad but you just hit something that i know i fall into i know that any of us who know each other as guitar players um you know friends we know like if they pick up a guitar we go i know what they're gonna play i know i know that after they play that they're gonna play this you know (laughs) what am i gonna play Todd? (laughs) (laughs) well we do but and that's also kind of the fun part like if we go you know on on a trip or something but um what that that comfort zone feels good but it feels even better when you are able to break that take a few bumps but then come out on the other side better than you were before and the more you do that the better you get at doing that at letting go i I mean what guy when you see someone just blowing your mind playing guitar either in person or you're watching something on youtube it's never a guy who's doing that he's doing the thing at uh um or guy or girl who's doing that thing every night that's not the thing that blows you away Hmm. the thing that blows you away is watching somebody let go yeah that's the thing you can do it. You can be that person. You can let go too. It's just, you have to start letting go. You know what I mean? You have to let go. Just like you said, don't be afraid to make a fool of yourself kind of, you know, that's, that's part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Man, this has been super fun. I've really enjoyed talking with you, Joey, and I hope that everybody else out there has as well. I know um, I made, I made a comment um, off air. I'm like, Jared, do you still hear? He's like, Man, I'm I'm just loving this conversation. Sorry, <laughs> it's just <laughs> right on. All right, guys. We didn't even get a chance to talk about gear. Well, <laughs> not much, but that's okay. You know, I think we, you know, we got some, we got some gearish kind of things. Gearish, gearish. No, I mean, I I thought the songwriting uh, tips were were great too. I mean, that's something I've always had a really hard time doing. In fact, I haven't tried to write a song since I was younger. You know, yeah, I might try it again. So much younger than today. Yeah, I should. Well, (laughs) uh, dudes, I think we got some. uh, I think we've got a "Would You Rather" we need to get to. Yes, I think we do, Jared. Ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the part of the show where it's time for me to sing. Would you rather? Nice extended version. Mm. <laughs> Those are the best. Yeah. I think he let himself go. Yeah, I did. <laughs> he did. So because of that, we've been talking a lot about finger picking tonight. Yeah, if you had a time have, machine. Huh? Yeah. If you had a time machine, would you rather go back and take a lesson from Chet Atkins <laughs> or the man himself, Les Paul? Great question. Great question. That's a good would you rather. Yeah. Because at first I was like, oh, yeah, duh. And then I was like, no. And I was like, well, well, of course. What? I did all those (laughs) things in my head. Um, (laughs) Every which way at once. Yes. So, uh, Tony Baloney, let's hear from you first. Okay. So, um, one of my all-time favorite instrumental albums is uh, Chester and Lester. I think it came out like the mid 70s and it's so fun to hear these two guys just kind of play off each other 
And, and, you know, one of the interesting things about Les Paul is if you listen to some of the old Les Paul and Mary Ford things, uh, recordings, she is keeping up. Mary Ford was one hell of a guitar player and she's keeping up and repeating licks that Les Paul is doing. So, I mean, both of those were great, but Chet Atkins had just, I mean, the, the whole finger picking genre, or whatever you want to call it. I mean, the, the stuff that he was pulling off was just, just over, over the top. So, but <laughs> this is a tough, yeah, this I mean, is Mr. a tough Sandman, Give me a break. Like how many, <laughs> how many times can you watch that on repeat? It's crazy. <laughs> this, I mean, I mean, both of these guys were legends. Uh, I mean, I, 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 if I had my choice, I'd take a lesson from both of them. But I know that's not an option in this question. So I think what I'm going to do is go back. Ugh. I'm going to do the, the, the Chet Atkins lesson because I just, in terms of, of that style of, of playing, I, I don't know of anybody the better. King. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Okay. All right. Uh, Jared. Yeah, that's really, it's really tough. And the thing that is running through my mind is which one is going to be the better teacher? Mm, you know, talent. Point. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to worry about who's better. I want to know who's going to be able to teach me better. So I guess wow. I'm just going to go the, I'm just going to roll the dice and just, heck, I don't know. I'll just go with uh, less ball. See if you could do it. Okay. All right. <laughs> this is a very calculated way to do that. Uh, Joey? I thought I had it all figured out until Jared just said that. Um, I mean, to me, it's like Chet Atkins is the guy. The, it, Chet Atkins is the guy that has the, uh, you know, it, he's, it, 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 he's the only person that you can be certified, you know, by Chet Atkins. There's no, yeah. I don't, there's no certified by Les Paul. But then I started thinking about it. I was like, yeah, but Chet Atkins, that guy, he seems like he would, he would like smack you with a, a ruler, you know, if you did something <laughs> wrong. <laughs> kind of the vibe I get. And, you know, I don't know. I don't, he's, I'm, he's I, like I, almost I, too good. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I don't know either one of these people or, you know, didn't know them when they were around. But, uh, you know, it would be kind of cool to say you took a lesson from Les Paul, you know, just right. because everyone knows that name and knows what it is. But I, I don't know. I think I'd have to just go with Chet just because he is the guy. He's the certified master. Yeah. 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 He is. Uh, I'm going with now. It's interesting because we took different approaches on on like logic, which is always, you know, the fun thing to do here. And my logic was I'm kind of a an unorthodox or broke guitar player. Like I don't, I've listed all the things I don't know how to do before. I've talked about how I'm uh, hack, you know, the whole thing. And Les Paul was also like, you know, he had to figure out how to do things differently. Cause he was his you know, kind of car accident. He had to busted up arms and stuff. So it's like, he was probably coming at it from a slightly more unorthodox position. And I could probably, it might be easier to learn that way rather than this is the right way to do it. Uh, because I, I totally understand that vibe from like, if you listen to someone who does it so perfectly, it's like on almost unachievable. Like I can't learn that, but I could probably learn how to 
do it from a guy who also kind of maybe probably taught himself, you know? So I'm going to go Les Paul. Can we break your break your fingers up and have your hands set in the steep position? You got to get in a 1950s Chevy and run into a tree. Yeah, that oh almost God. happened when I tried to take one of Jared's French fries. But uh, that's right. <laughs> um, anyhow, data fry. Yeah, uh, we're going to uh, motor on over and say a big fat thank you to a bunch of people. And bef- Tony, before you launch into this. I just wanted to point out um, that I wanted to say yeah. a, a great big thanks to Carlos Mancha. Um, he has supported us for a long time, and we greatly appreciate it. And we were uh, lucky enough to meet up with him a couple times, and um, uh, he's he's a uh, a fine fella. He's fine fella, and he's uh, he's departing the the patronage for maybe he'll be back later. But um, we really appreciated his support and his friendship through the last couple of years. So thank you, Carlos. Much obliged, my friend. Tony Baloney, hit it. Okay. So at this point of the show, there's a special group of people that we like to thank. That's right. We call them executive producers. Why? Because they're producers who are executives. And they're exclusive. That's why. <laughs> so Joey's probably wondering, first of all, why did I mess with this podcast? And secondly, who are executive producers and how can I become one? Tell me. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. You'll find a couple different levels in which you can become a patron of this very podcast. That's right. And each level has its own bevy of fun prize packages, including things like barefoot buttons and T-shirts and stickers and, and uh, oh gosh, what Key else? Keychains. Yeah. I forgot about that. All I always the forget stuff. the keychains. Sure. All the stuff. Yes. But the executive producer level, you get all that great stuff. And you get the, the, the nice the nice warm feeling in the cockles of your heart of supporting the guitar knobs. That's right. But there's one more thing. Jared, what is that? You get to have your name read on the thing. Your name read on the thing. And that's what I'm going to do right now. So we'd like to thank our executive producers. Let's start with Tom Barazin, Martin Cliff, John Daly. Chris Carney, Darren Gregory, Doug Christ, Michael Van Zant, Ken Sayers, Brian Robison, Michael Sanchuk, Stefan Lamb, Johnny Knowles, Anthony Lanthrop, John Englund, Tyler Bray, Brad Partridge, Chris Heidel, John Esterley, Tim Nowak, Doug Gann, Justin Jones, Brett Alexander, James White, Matt Hart, James Pennington, Adam Johnson, Mark Garten, and Steve Keys. Right on. Oh, no, no, no. Don't jump in there. Do not jump in there because there is, there is another level, a part of the executive producers we like to call our grand poobahs. In the penthouse suite. Yes, they get, the, they get top billing and they get a fez to wear. I mean, what more can you ask for out of life than to have a nice, comfortable guitar knobs fez? And other things. So a big old tip of the fez to our other fez-wearing brethren. Our grand poobas, Mr. Jonathan Jerusic, Corey Nigro, David Kaminga, 
Cody Lane, Cody Foster, Sean S. And Tommy Manasco. Thank you, each and every one of you. And if I didn't read off your name and you belong in the wonderful groups of patrons that we have on Patreon, I thank you, too. Yes, we do. At all levels, we greatly appreciate you. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Joey Calio, where uh, where can people uh, maybe hear some of your stuff? Well, uh, basically, you can uh, hear it on uh, Spotify. Uh, has pretty much everything. I think there's a one daughter record that's not on there, but uh, all the Seven Horse stuff is up there. Uh, Seven Horse actually has a new song coming out soon. Um and uh, we have a Facebook and an Instagram and uh, you can all, all also just go right to me on Facebook and Instagram and uh, Twitter if you'd like to uh, hit me up with anything. Perfect. All right. Uh, Tony? Yeah. Well, let's just say you need uh, oh, something special, a special pick guard. Go over to pickguardian.com and check out the stuff that I got. Uh, if you need, and, and a lot of times this stuff is all one off, two off things. So just shoot me an email. Let me know what you need, what you're thinking in terms of material. I will take care of you and make it happen. Yep. If you want to see some of the projects we talk about from time to time, go to my Instagram page, which is pickguardian and the number one. You do the one with the flower on it too. The what? Paperback. The pick ones. guard with the flower on it. The guard with the flower on it? Oh, come on, man. The gold leaf flower? <laughs> oh, you made me ruin. You made me sound like an ass. Of, well, I guess I just sound like an ass anyway. Yeah, I make Evil. the one. With, I make the. I make the one with the flower on it. Yeah, we knew what you were saying. You do. You make the gold leaflet thing. That's you know right. Yeah. Yes, that would be the LP two ninety five. Which Todd, is Todd's going to have so much gag reel. Yeah, <laughs> not going to know. He's going to have it for a year, man. He's not going to know what to do with it. I know. I do that one too. Yeah. Okay. Well, good there. Sorry about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Okay, Tony. Yes. Yeah. All right. So we're good there. Yeah. You want? To, yeah. I don't. I don't know. What, I, I think we're good. The flower okay. on it. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So uh, just say your pick our, your website and Instagram real quick for me. Didn't I do that already? I can't remember. Yeah, um, I did Picardian one and and, and Picardian and the number okay, one. Yeah, all right, sounds good. Yeah, Jared. Well, if you need pickups, uh, new pickups, new pickups that look old or whatever. What about uh, pickups I, that look old? Those two, man. I do rewinds and all sorts of stuff. If you're looking for something weird or have a shell of a pickup and the pickup doesn't work inside and you need a new thing, I'll <laughs> build you up a new one. I do all sorts of pickup kind of stuff so can you uh, can you do flowers on pickups i can do flowers on pickups wow all right sweet that's amazing can you do pickups on flowers uh no but go to you know brandonwildpickups.com and check me out on instagram brandonwildpickups to right now i am picking black paint off a an original set of 1959 pafs Ooh, double white wow. Yep. Wow. Whoa. Those are expensive. That's fun. Yeah. $20,000 for a set. 
What? What? It's stupid. Are you kidding? 10 10, 10 to 20,000, a set of 59s. Yep. Double white. They have to be double cream. That's incredible. It's nuts. Um, (laughs) Well, uh, you can send me uh, an email. How about you, Todd? Thanks, Tony. Send me an email, Todd at theguitarnobs.com. You can also DM me on Instagram. And uh, tell us all of your hopes and dreams and things that you are excited about in the guitar world. We would love to get some new Would You Rathers. Um, our stock is starting to run a little bit low. Well, of course, I haven't asked in a while. So um, how about now? Go ahead and do that. And when you go over to Instagram, hit follow for Pete's sakes. Because we're constantly updating the content. And I hope it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. Uh Joey, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciated having you on the show and um, hearing something a little bit different today. Right on, man. Thanks for having me. You bet. By the way, I, I want a pick guard and a pick uh, pickups. So I'm 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 ready to go. Oh awesome. man! Okay, yeah. Okay. We were All right. I, just we not with the flower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, have a great guitar week and subscribe. Yeah. Yeah. James Page. You funny boy. We're in the past now when people are listening. What? Wow. You're dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all I'm getting. It literally sounds like we're in a mine shaft. Hello. Hello. Hey, I get the echo too. Let me. I'm going to say that again because I can't talk. Lay back. Yeah. (laughs) This won't hurt a bit. And then we've got Monsieur Baloney. Hello. Todd, be quiet. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man, I don't know how this went all sideways real quick here. Uh, Joey? I must kill you. Yeah. Tony? Yes? Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs visit our website at the guitar for all of our past episodes four on the floor blog and other good stuff you can connect with us on social too at our facebook page and share your gear and stories on our facebook group also be sure to check out our instagram at guitar knobs catch you next time